well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you're with us on the program today. November the 1st, Halloween is done. Hopefully uh, you had a good night. Nobody stole all your candy. I've been seeing the videos this morning of all those ring doorbell cameras and people wandering up to the house and just dumping all of the candy in the bag. Hopefully you didn't have to deal with that last night. We are one week away from Election Day. And I got to say, um, I, I am, you know, I'm generally a, a, a pretty optimistic person. Uh, when it comes to elections, I get downright Eeyore-ish. I, I will say that. I am always one of those people who oh, it's going to go bad. Oh, act like you're 10 points down and that way you'll be pleasantly surprised. So now that I think about it, it's kind of how uh, my wife and I handle uh her cancer treatment too. We always like go into the doctor's appointment expecting the worst. And that way we're often pleasantly surprised when uh, the worst is not what we hear. Um, I will say though, despite my tendency uh, to, uh, to, to, to be Eeyore-ish around elections, I'm actually feeling pretty good uh, about the midterms. Now we're going to talk specifically today about a ballot measure in Oregon. This is called measure one, one, four. And we've talked about this on the program before, uh, this is one of two ballot initiatives that voters across the country, well, voters in some states, will have the chance to weigh in on. In Iowa, there's a uh, proposed constitutional amendment, which would enshrine the right to keep and bear arms in Iowa state constitution uh, and instruct the courts to look at all gun control laws through a strict scrutiny lens. Uh, that is the highest form of tiered scrutiny. It is, however, uh, not the test that the Supreme Court said should be used when it comes to the Second Amendment, but... Uh, it is still, I think, a, a good uh, amendment, and it looks like there's not been a lot of polling on it, but given Iowa's politics, uh, the polling, the one poll that we have seen showed it passing with close to 60% of the vote, so not really close. I feel really good uh, about that measure in Iowa. In Oregon, on the other hand, Measure 114 would impose all kinds of new restrictions on those hoping to exercise their right to keep and bear arms. So you would have to acquire a permit to purchase a handgun before you could actually go out and buy one. In order for you to acquire a permit to purchase, you would have to undergo training. You would have to undergo a much more intensive background check process. The Oregon State Sheriff's Association has come out in opposition to Measure 114 saying this is going to add a, a lot of unfunded mandates to law enforcement. The uh, one analysis done by the state of Oregon estimates that the uh, new taxes and fees on gun owners would bring in about $20 million in revenue uh, to law enforcement. But the mandates associated with Measure 114 would result in about $50 million in outlays for law enforcement. So yeah, $30 million in unfunded mandates just the first year and those departments are going to have to make that money up somehow, right? They're either going to have to shift money from one department uh, to another. They're going to have to ask for more money in the budget, which means more money out of your pocket to fund your county sheriff or to fund your local law enforcement. And again, all these measures are aimed at legal gun owners and not violent criminals. So there has been, to the best of my knowledge, only one poll. Uh, regarding Measure 114, it came out about three weeks ago, and it showed Measure 114 had the support of just 51% of Oregon voters. Now, that would be enough to enshrine this into law, 
But that's nowhere near the 80, 90, 97% support for common sense gun control laws that we hear all the time from gun control advocates, right? And I've actually been talking with some folks in Oregon on the left and the right who are opposed to this measure. And I have to say, I think this one is going to come down to the wire. But gun control activists are doing everything they can to try to get Measure 114 across the finish line, including one very deep-pocketed donor who has contributed three-quarters of a million dollars to uh, backing Measure 114. Connie Balmer wrote a $750,000 check, which a Willamette Week reports represents more than one-third of all of the money that has been raised by backers of this gun control initiative. That is amazing. Now, Willamette Week uh, says this would require permits for gun purchases, would limit the capacity of magazines to uh, 10 rounds. Uh, It would also impose basically a de facto waiting period on those hoping to, uh, again, exercise the right to simply keep a firearm in their home uh, because, again, of all of the training mandates and additional uh, uh, rigmarole that would-be gun owners have to go through. So, yeah, there is a magazine ban attached. There is also, again, the uh, permission slip to exercise a fundamental right and all kinds of barriers to entry uh, for those who would hope to exercise their Second Amendment rights. And again, it's not like this is being funded by, uh, you know, large numbers of uh, average Oregonians. If a third of the money raised for this gun control campaign has come from one very wealthy individual, I think that says something about the lack of grassroots support here. Now, NPR also uh, recently uh, covered the uh, ballot initiative, uh, and they did note, again, that this is opposed by the Oregon State Sheriff's Association, as well as, uh, they say, numerous gun owner groups, which argue that it would create more administrative work for those who seek to legally own guns without curtailing their illegal use. Some opponents argue that an alternative solution to addressing gun violence is to bolster law enforcement. Quote, whether that's having more prosecutors, whether that's uh, investing in more officers on the street, that uh, Amy Patrick of the uh, Oregon Hunters Association. But you find folks on the left who are opposed to this measure, too. Uh, some of that, I think, is because not all Democrats, believe it or not, are anti-gun. Uh, polls routinely show about one in five Democrats say that they don't support Uh, new gun control measures. So let's go with that maybe as a baseline. Let's say that maybe 20% of Oregon Democrats just aren't in favor of gun control to begin with. You also, though, have some folks making the uh, progressive argument against gun control. That again, these are laws that are aimed at people who are trying to do the right thing, right? They're trying to operate within the boundaries of the law. Uh, But the impact is going to be felt disproportionately uh, among minorities, among people of color. You know, I think it's fair to say that uh, if Measure 114 passes, there are going to be a lot of rural sheriffs, just like we've seen in in, in upstate New York, who say, uh, yeah, this isn't really going to be one of my high priorities, right? I'm not going to be proactively out there uh, trying to enforce a magazine ban. In Multnomah County, in Portland, yeah, I think you probably have a different point of view. Uh, I think the Democrat-run cities uh, are going to be the most likely places where Measure 114 would be strictly enforced. And there are some progressives who argue that there's going to be, again, more harm done uh, to minority communities 
through the passage of more nonviolent possessory criminal offenses, as opposed to actually focusing on those violent offenders. In that NPR story, uh, they spoke to a woman named Charlene McGee, who is a backer of Measure 114. Uh, She and her parents immigrated from Liberia. She said that uh, as a child who experienced war, uh, she became a fan of gun control at a very young age. She said, I remember growing up, my ears just knowing the sounds of different kinds of guns, like an AK-47 was the most prevalent. Uh, She is out there canvassing in Portland, trying to convince people to to, to back Measure 114. And she ended up talking to a a guy who NPR describes as a, a, quote, dubious voter. Uh, Lionel Irving said, I'm a gun violence perpetrator, so I know gun violence too well. Actually served time for manslaughter. And then he started a nonprofit to help people to break the cycle of violence. He told McGee that he is concerned that the measure could result in harsher punishments for those who carry guns illegally, which he believes would disproportionately impact people of color. He said, look at the skin. I got a 14-year-old, she told him. Uh, I get what you're saying, but that's not what this is. No, I don't think it's intentionally designed to uh, disproportionately harm minorities. I don't think that's what Measure 114 is about. I don't think that there are a bunch of white supremacists who got together in a back room and thought, (laughs) what's a really nefarious way that we can enact our agenda? No, but I do think that this is an unintended consequence, but a consequence nonetheless of the type of gun control measures that would be put in place if Measure 114 passes. You know, you could go back to the Bruin case, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. And one of the amicus briefs that was submitted in support of the plaintiffs in that case came from public defenders, uh, not just in New York City, but across the state of New York, who wrote again about the harm that has been done with the existing, or at the time, existing May issue laws in New York, where, again, the vast majority of people arrested for carrying a firearm without a license were people of color. Uh, The majority of them did not have any serious criminal history. And yet, under New York law, carrying a firearm without a license was considered a violent felony and is considered a violent felony offense punishable by years in prison. Now, in Oregon, the measures, the, 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 the penalties are not quite as draconian. In fact, you could argue that the penalty, for example, for uh, carrying a uh, quote-unquote large-capacity magazine uh, is so light uh, that violent criminals aren't going to be dissuaded at all. Uh, but there is still a penalty attached, which will mean that generally speaking, law-abiding individuals uh, will probably be impacted, more so than criminals, uh, by that restriction. We've seen, again, this disparate impact when it comes to uh, gun control laws uh, in states across the country. And I think it's a legit concern that if Measure 114 does pass, that those harms are going to be seen Again, in places like Portland, Salem, Bend. Uh, Meanwhile, again, in much of the state, uh, I think you're going to have law enforcement take a very dim view of Measure 114. Uh, And 
in those counties, I think the measure will be lightly enforced, if at all. Now, what happens on Election Day remains to be seen. As I said, the one poll that we've seen, 51% support, 39% opposed. So there were a lot of folks who had not made up their mind. Um, Oregon is a blue state, for sure. And I would say that given these states' politics, Measure 114, you'd have to say, has the upper hand right now, right? Passage is not guaranteed, but if you're making a prediction and you're looking at Oregon politics, you think it's more likely than not to pass. And maybe in any normal election year, that would be the case. This is not a normal election year, uh, certainly not in Oregon. You've got a three-way race for governor. Two of the three candidates have actually come out and have said that they're opposed to Measure 114. Uh, Christine Drazik, who is the Republican nominee. Betsy Johnson, who is running as an independent. She is a former Democratic uh, lawmaker uh, who is broadly pro-gun, does support uh, things like raising the age to purchase a, a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21, but... Uh, She was actually A-rated at one point uh, when she was a state legislator by the NRA. And then there's Tina Kotek, the Democratic candidate for governor, the only one who has really come out uh, vocally in support of Measure 114. Um, There are a number of Democrats, including members of the Democrat Central Committee, uh, who are uh, out there campaigning against Measure 114. So Democrats are not united in support of this gun control measure. Republicans, I would say, are broadly united in opposition. Uh, And so then maybe the big question becomes, how many Democrats can opponents of Measure 114 peel away? And where do those independent voters go? Those non-affiliated voters? Uh, Do they buy into this false promise of increased safety at the expense of your fundamental right of self-defense? Or do they say, listen, we want to fight violent crime. But we don't do that by making it harder for people to protect themselves and reject Measure 114. We'll see again a week from today. But uh, this is not going to be the slam dunk gun control victory that anti-gun activists were hoping for. That much, I feel confident in predicting. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there. One of the states, actually, that... Uh, a backers of Measure 114 have been pointed to is Connecticut, because Connecticut has a permit to purchase law. They said, well, a, a violent crime plummeted after that uh, permit to purchase law went into effect. And I think that's kind of a uh, open question, actually. If you look at uh, the crime rates before the permit to purchase took effect in Connecticut, and certainly there's been some variance and some up and down since the uh, permit to purchase took effect in that state, including incidents like this. Heavily armed homicide suspect on probation captured in Hartford after a high-speed chase. Yeah. Heavily armed homicide suspect. And on probation after being released from prison just this year, back in the spring, for a shooting that took place in 2019. Yeah. 21-year-old Mecky Thompson had an illegal gun, well, illegally possessed firearm that had been illegally converted to fire uh, fully automatic at the time of his arrest. Uh, Thompson is a suspect in a September homicide 
where a man named Devonnie Gardner was shot and killed back on September 14th. The chase on Sunday started uh, around 6.30 in the afternoon. On the same road where Gardner was found the day of his death, police suspected that Thompson was behind the wheel of a stolen car, and uh, knowing that he was a suspect in a homicide, they tried to stop him. Instead, he refused to pull over. The high-speed pursuit began. Thompson also had two active warrants out for uh, failure to appear in court. Uh, officers chased Thompson uh, to the uh, north end of Hartford, where he stopped the car, tried to run away. Officers then initiated a uh, foot chase and were able to take him into custody. On the passenger seat of the stolen car, police found a uh, Glock handgun, again, that had been illegally converted, had a 30-round magazine with it. Uh, again, illegal under Connecticut law. I mean, all kinds of illegal activity under Connecticut law. Thompson has now been charged with motor vehicle offenses, second-degree larceny, as well as four gun charges, uh, illegal possession of a large-capacity magazine, use of a machine gun for an aggressive purpose, carrying a pistol without a permit. Yeah, there you go. And uh, possession of weapons in a vehicle. Not sure why he wasn't charged with being a felon in possession of a firearm, but uh, again, all of the gun control laws that the uh, backers of Measure 114 want are in place in Connecticut. And it's still not stopping uh, violent criminal suspects from illegally obtaining firearms. Uh, it is, on the other hand, those laws in Connecticut, having a, a chilling impact and a chilling effect on the right to keep and bear arms, which is why uh, the state of Connecticut is the subject of multiple lawsuits at the moment taking on some of the state's gun control laws. Uh, today's armed citizen story from uh, Alabama, Hatchet Chubby. Alabama, where the uh, Russell County Sheriff's Office says a uh, homicide in the uh, small town appears to be a case of self-defense and a case of a a woman able to protect herself against her estranged ex. Uh, Deputies responded about uh, 1.30 yesterday morning uh, after a report from a a 40-year-old woman who said that her estranged husband had forced himself into her home. The uh, woman stated that she shot him. When deputies arrived, they found the uh, ex had been shot in the stomach. As it turns out, the woman had previously filed a uh, protection from abuse order against her ex-husband. That order had expired back on October 22nd, but officials say that the woman was in the process of having that order reinstated. Sheriff's Office says the uh, incident does appear to be self-defense. It will be presented to a uh, grand jury there in uh, Russell County. But uh, again, at this point, it looks like this is a case of a woman who was able to defend herself from an abusive ex who uh, tried to break into her home. Uh, We'll keep our eyes out for any more updates, but uh, at this point, again, it's hard to feel anything but thankful that she was able to protect and defend herself. Finally today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Some folks in uh, Brainerd, North Dakota, uh, near Brainerd, North Dakota, I guess, Mission Township, North Dakota. This was uh, just a couple days ago, October 26th. There was a a guy out on a local lake kayaking when uh, he overturned when he was not wearing his life preserver. Now, water in North Dakota in late October isn't the the, the balmiest of temperatures, right? So this was uh, Wednesday afternoon. It's about 5.15. Sun's starting to go down. uh, And this homeowner saw a a guy named Ty Sojin struggling in the water. So he called local fire department. um, But uh, Mission Fire Chief Eric uh, Mikowski-Bedreau says before firefighters could launch a rescue boat, uh, 
there were others in the area who took to the water themselves. Uh, there was uh, some folks in a canoe. Somebody brought their paddle boat out, uh, and they were able to reach Sojin uh, before the fire rescue crews could. They were able to bring him to safety. Personnel assisted him once he was ashore. Uh, Mikowski Bedros says he was pretty hypothermic. We were able to wrap him up in blankets really quick. Uh, the blankets, a nice hot shower was enough to uh, uh, get the guy back in shape. No need to uh, visit the hospital. Again, because of the uh, quick thinking and the fast action of uh, those folks who were in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to uh, help a neighbor in need. And glad that this story has a uh, happy ending there in uh, North Dakota. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I, uh, again, appreciate you being a part of today's broadcast. We'll be back tomorrow with even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But in the meantime, I would encourage you to check out BearingArms.com. We are covering all of the 2A news that you need to know. We've got a uh, new poll out of New York showing Kathy Hochul trailing her Republican opponent. Yeah, and some other uh, election news to talk about on the uh, website this afternoon. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member at Bearing Arms. Just go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. See you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.